Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, Hello and welcome to another episode of Tendy Talk. I am your host Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. This week I talked to another emergency backup goalie when I talked to Connor Beaupre, who is a self-described career healthy scratch. But before I talk to Connor, let's take a short break. Hey everybody, Joe here for Anchor, the podcast provider. Here's all you really need to know. One, it's free, and two, Tendy Talk uses it. Anchor has features for your podcast like voicemail and listener support that's all available free through the Anchor app or through anchor.fm. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your episodes easily from your phone or computer. Then Anchor does the hard work of distributing your episode through all the major podcast distributors. That is, after you've registered with them, of course. You can also make money for your podcast. I know I will try and do so, so that I can cover simple costs like website hosting. There is no minimum listenership required for you to start earning, so you can start right away. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to the show. Connor, thank you for joining me today. Um it's great having you on as a fellow Minnesotan. It's uh, your name is one that's popped up quite a bit in locker rooms and <laughs> newspapers and everything else. So, uh, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, this is uh, I've done a few before, and it's like every time I do a podcast with somebody, and it doesn't really matter who it is. You just keep talking. It feels like, like you said, you know, it could be you know thirty minutes, forty five minutes, or it could be three hours. You know, and it always feels like it goes by so fast. It's, yeah. It's, it's wild. It's a good time. So yeah, when I was thinking of ha- having the podcast, my wife was like, "Oh, you, you need to keep it short to like 
20 to 30 minutes. And I, I started laughing. I said, no, no, no. When hockey players start talking, there is no oh, 20 to 30 nice. minute discussion. Yeah. She's like, do you think people will really listen to it? And I said, well, spitting spit chicklets goes two to three hours every yeah. week and people and, listen to it all the time. So I think, you know, an hour people will listen. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people too, they go and you know, they're either jumping in the car and they got, you know, a 25, 30 minute commute or a 45 minute commute yep. and they can do half. Like I was coaching up in Blaine and uh, I'd make the drive up there and it was like, you know, 45 minutes in rush hour and I had an hour and a half podcast, listened to half on the way up and half on the way yeah. back and it's done. Like, yeah, I've, I've gotten in the habit of, I listen to my podcasts on two times speed. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I can listen to more podcasts. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. It, it takes a little getting used to and, uh, if if my wife walks in and she hears it going, she's like, will you slow that down? It sounds like the chipmunks <laughs> or something going. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's, that's, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. You have to really pay attention. Like I usually like to do something or like, you know, I'm working on, you know, whatever work or something for fun in the background or playing Xbox or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Paul, Paul Fletcher yeah. and Mark Parrish had a, a hockey podcast going for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh they yeah. Had, they had a cool song in the beginning and because I always listened to uh-huh. it on two times speed like it sounded really good at two times speed. And then yeah. I heard it at regular speed. It's like, it's still cool, but I almost it's prefer good, it yeah. sped <laughs> up. And, and I uh, tweeted it to, to the band and they're like, we're going to have to give that a listen. We can see yeah. how that would work. <laughs> Do a full album in two times speed. Yeah. I did see, there was a DJ who did a, like, cause they can't do, you know, festivals and yeah. stuff like that. He did a whole set that was in um, half speed. Oh, and or no, he did no, he did it in double in two times speed. And then when they when they recorded like video of him doing it in this place, he had like you know these fire bonfires and stuff around him and all that. And it was in two times speed, so he did everything. If the song's at a hundred beats per minute, it was at two hundred. Yeah, he DJed it like normal. And then when they played back the video, they cut it all in half. And so the set was like an hour long, but yep. it was all slow motion, but it <laughs> sounded normal. It oh, was super cool. So like crazy. he's moving around and it looks like he's in slow-mo and That's yeah, crazy. I mean, it's, it's weird of music and video. <laughs> and up and yeah. It's cool. So let, let's talk a little bit of hockey. Uh, for those that don't know, um, I'm not sure how they couldn't, but your dad's pretty well known in the goalie community too. Um, he, he's Don Beaupre and he's, he's played in a few big games, played for a few teams I, I think a lot of people would assume, oh, your, your dad played hockey. He probably wanted you to play hockey. And since he was goalie, he wanted you to play goalie. But listening to the other podcasts you've been on, that wasn't the case. He, he took what I think is the, um, a, the best approach any sports parent could take. And do you want to play? If so, okay, there you go. And because of that, not only you, but you and your sister decide to play hockey and play goalie, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you kind of... <laughs> hit it right on the head there it was never uh I was never dragged to hockey I was never you know told to you know get in the net I was never you know signed up for anything I didn't want to do I mean even when I was a little kid I mean I always I definitely always wanted to play and of course Mm -hmm. you know every four or five six year old you know wants to go play they got the mini sticks in the basement and all that stuff and and yeah some kids gravitate towards it more than others and you know I we get I you know most parents are gonna have their kid try a little bit of everything. So, um, but for me, it was always hockey. I mean, it was never anything else. I mean, it was, I I played some baseball growing up, but 
you know, in the middle of the baseball season, I'd want to go to our summer hockey tryouts and stuff like that. It's like, all right, now I'm excited to go back and do that again. So yeah, yeah it was never like that. And I think as I got older and, you know, you got to take it a little bit more seriously with, you know, weightlifting in the summer and all that stuff too. My dad was like, I'm not going to drag you to the gym and make you go do that stuff. But if you want to get better and you want to be, you know, the best goalie at your mm -hmm. level, you got to go work out and you got to go, you know, do more. You can't just play games all the time. You know, you got right. to go to more skill stuff and yeah. work on those things off the ice and all that stuff too. So I think that was super important and it was never, ever, he was always like, you know what, if you want to do it, I can show you how I did it and you yep. know, show you the way. But yeah, never, ever was forced. It's interesting you bring up the off-season weightlifting because your dad kind of spanned two eras of mm -hmm. hockey. And one of those was the era, era where training camp is when they started lifting weights and getting in shape for the mm -hmm. season. Whereas at the end of his career, the expectation was you do that in the off-season, you come to training camp ready to play. So it, it's interesting that he uh, had that that thought with you because some guys I've talked to they're like oh I miss those days when we could just show up and that's when we started getting in shape <laughs> well yeah exactly that's why the you know everybody used to think you know training camp was hell because it was when you actually had to get back in shape yeah I mean after his first year with the North Stars he came back and he played you know summer would be like the equivalent of the Legion ball here you know with yep. his buddy summer baseball with his friends and he just finished his first year in the NHL and they went to the cup like yeah back and played and then he you know worked I mean he grew up working on, for a landscaping company and he was like, I mean, I was outside and I was lifting stones and right. stuff like that too. So you're getting a workout and you're staying in shape, but you know, it wasn't like, let's go into the, we're going to go do plyo in the gym today. And then yeah. we've got a yoga session and then we got like, you know, weights and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I was talking to uh, Maria Mountain last week mm -hmm. about the evolution of training for goaltenders. And for the longest time it was, we were an afterthought mm -hmm. and for so long, people thought, well, we should work out just like the forwards and the defense. And we've learned since, probably not. We need to do more of the plyo and circuit training and stuff like that. And it, it's crazy to think on how times have changed. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot more. I think you can do a lot of the stuff that forwards and stuff do. I think mm -hmm. it's a lot of just general all around right. and general weightlifting never hurts yeah. you. You know, it's just yeah. being strong everywhere. We don't um, want to bulk up like PK Subban though. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so um but I think I found some of my most significant improvement is when I did a session that was goalie weightlifting mm -hmm. only you know yeah. it was we did a lot more plyo we did a lot more core strength stuff but mm -hmm. and balance and stuff like that too that I mean I barely ever bench press once I really started learning how to lift right you know, I do that very rarely and the only time I did it, I think, is before I went to a training camp where I knew I was going to get tested for it. Like, I did it for, like, three weeks before and still really wasn't putting up the bar too many times, so. I forget who I was talking to. Uh, this was years ago, and I was in the weight room, and they said, why are you spending so much time on your arms? And I said, yeah. well, because that, that's what our program says to do. And he said, how many pucks do you save with the brute strength of your arms mm -hmm. it's all in the legs and the core when you're a mm -hmm. goalie and it was like well yeah you know and I still worked on the arms because you don't want to look like the get you know the guy with the giant legs and yeah mm -hmm. skinny arms girls get the girls you know but um <laughs> it, it was kind of a aha moment of yeah I don't need to max out and you know be stuck in the shower trying to get those arms up to you know wash your hair because they're they're noodles, but uh, yeah, that, that was one of those times. 
Now, I want to back up a little bit because we were talking about, you know, wanting to go to the rink and not being forced to go to the rink. Mm-hmm. And you coach at the high school level now, and I, we see it a lot with kids these days where oh, they yeah. feel like they have to specialize as a squirt. They have mm-hmm. to pick that sport and they have to, you know, 365, six to eight days a week, skill sessions, all this other stuff. Um, and we kind of had a similar upbringing in the sport where it was, do you want to go? Okay. Do you want to get better? Okay. This is what you have to do. I'm not forcing you to do it. You need to make the decision. As a coach, are you seeing the benefits of those kids specializing or are you seeing the burnt, the burnout? Cause I, I, I think that's what I've seen a lot is the burnout by the time they get to the high school level and they just, they almost lose the, uh, the love of the game at that point. Yeah. I think we see a little bit of both. I mean, coaching Holy angels, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of kids who, you know, see an opportunity to go there where maybe they're overshadowed at like any dino or Minnetonka, or maybe they want to step it up from, you know, another smaller school that maybe the mm-hmm. programs aren't as strong. And I'm not talking just hockey either. Like, I mean, our soccer team won state last yeah. year. We won since I've been at the school, you know, we won a football state championship. Yep. You know, Larry Fitzgerald went there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? Uh, the school is, the athletics there are fantastic and the mm-hmm. school is great. The kids love it. And we've got a ton of multi-sport athletes, you know, on our team. It's, and it's, and it's fun because we get to go watch, you know, lacrosse and yeah. hockey and baseball and know all these kids and stuff like that too. And I think, what we've seen is even from, you know, just all three sport athletes, two sport athletes, they're always really hungry when they come back to the rink. Yep. And even if, you know, soccer is their main focus, they come to the rink hungry and they're like, I want to win this year. What do I need to do to get better yep. in hockey? And we get the conversation all the time from the kids too. And kind of going along the same lines as, you know, I think I'm just going to play hockey this year. Or I think I'm just going to play soccer. And it's like, you don't have to pick right now. You know, you can yep. do both. And it may feel like you're, you know, falling behind, but, you know, make sure when you show up to play soccer or you show up to play baseball or you show up to play hockey or football or whatever it is that you're going a hundred percent there. Yep. You know, if you're thinking about being somewhere else during that time, then you got to kind of reassess what you're doing, but you can be invested in all. I mean, we had, uh, we've had a lot of sets of twins actually at Holy Angels, but um, <laughs> two kids we had our first year were incredible football players, lacrosse players and hockey players. And it was like, they were so good at all three. I don't know how they ever picked what they did and they ended up going to college and one of them does rowing and the other one's not really in sports. And I think he's playing club something lacrosse or something like that. But I mean, and they still had a blast all those years. They were contributors on the ice, on the field, everywhere, you know? So I think there's a lot of pressure to specialize, to mm-hmm. keep up with people. Absolutely. Everything you got and being smart about it, you can, you know. One, well, I think the other thing too is these youth associations put so much pressure on kids and mm-hmm. they almost feel like, well, if I'm not doing these off season things, I have no shot of making the mm-hmm. team next year. And that that's always bugged me of when coach I've heard coaches tell kids, well, if you don't do this off season, you know, travel program, you're not going to make the team next year. Well, yeah, I think it stacks up. There's a lot of coaches yeah. who want you there and want oh, you absolutely. And kind of check of commitment level too. So, yeah. And you know, for me, when I was coaching, I coached at the high school level for a couple of years after college. And like you said, those multi-sport athletes, they came to the rink with a greater passion mm-hmm. because that it's almost like they get to experience other things and it pulls them away from the rink and they rediscover that love when they come mm-hmm. back each fall. And we always encouraged it. And honestly, there were a few 
hockey only players, but they were like you and I, they just loved the game. They made mm-hmm. the decision, but the other ones that they just felt like they had to specialize. Yeah. We had to get them pumped up for games. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one of my, uh, other coaches I coach with, he played minor league hockey and everything. And we, we were looking at each other before our big rivalry game going, looking at each other going, why do we have to get these kids pumped up for a game? Yeah. Like, where is that passion missing? But those multi-sport athletes are like, let's go. I'm, I'm ready to go through a wall to beat these guys. And yeah. They want to win all around. doesn't matter what the sport is. They want to win. So yep. yeah, that's a big part of it for sure. I, I remember our head coach at the time, you know, he said, you know, we're going to have the summer training. We're going to have the fall training, but if you're playing another sport mm-hmm. that comes first. Yeah. And that's that, what we do too, especially you know, in season stuff is right. You know, you're in that season, be in that season and do your best. And again, like we've heard stories of coaches like, football coaches come in and they'll talk to us as hockey coaches and be like, how is he on the ice? Is he a yep. good teammate? Is he a leader? Oh, yeah. You know, that stuff carries over all sports, all those, yeah. you know, intangible things that, you know, you don't measure in points and there's no stats for like that carries over and that's where you learn it and you practice it in all these yep. other sports too, because it's different scenarios and different situations. And, you know, if there are a lot of team games, even individual stuff too. I think a lot of our goalies in the past have played tennis or golf and stuff like that too. And, I think for a goalie, that's kind of the mentality is that you're kind of on your own, but you're still part yeah. of a team and it's still, you know, a different kind of pressure. Yeah. So. It's funny when I've gone into job interviews, cause I, I'm an analyst. So a lot of teams I'm on a marketing team, but I'm left alone because I'm an analyst. Uh, my wife says I'm a lot like Chandler Bing. Everybody knows I have a job. They just don't know what I do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they're like, are you okay working, you know, kind of on your own, but still part of the team. And I, Chuck, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm a goalie. That that's what I do. Exactly, <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh, okay. There you go. Um, yeah. So I've I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole. So I got to get myself back to where my notes <laughs> were here. So of all the goalies I've talked to, you've got a little bit of a different upbringing, and that your dad did play in the NHL, mm-hmm. and not only that, but he bounced around from a couple different cities because he was in demand. Uh, you know, and, and you got yeah. to spend some time in some cool cities like Washington, D.C., still on my bucket list. I can't wait mm-hmm. to get there. Um, Ottawa, Ottawa, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like growing up with a dad that was high profile like that and going to these different cities? You know, at one point, it's like, comes home. All right, we're moving. Where are we moving to? Uh well, I was born when he was playing for the Caps in, yeah. in D.C. So back in the day, they practiced um, kind of in between D.C. and Annapolis. So mm-hmm. um, my family lived out. Our first house was in Annapolis. And uh, and so I was born there. And we only ended up living there for like another year or two after I was born. And then we moved to Ottawa and then Toronto. And by the time I was really like four or five and really playing, he was done. So his last year was in Toronto where he only kind of started the year there and then went down to St. John and was like, you know, this is it. I mean, and it was, his, it was yeah. his 17th year too. I mean, he was yeah. 37 and, you know, he's playing. And I wouldn't say it's, you can see this writing on the wall because they, I think they went pretty deep in the playoffs that year and the minors and stuff like that. And he was playing well. Um, but it was kind of one of those things where now you're deciding, you got family, you got kids, all that stuff too, that, yeah. you know, maybe it's time to call it quits and move on to the next thing. And, um, and so that's what he kind of did. But so I don't really remember living in a lot of these places. I've seen a lot of pictures and stuff like that too, yeah. but I think definitely after, you know, especially living in Minnesota and Edina and when he had played here too, you know, a lot of people knew who we or who yeah. he was. And so coming up playing, there was always kind of a little bit of a, a pressure like that, I think too, that, 
you know, instantly, oh, your dad played like you got to be good. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> like it's in your blood, like it could be, yeah. but you know. Yeah, not not everybody's a Fernando Tatis Jr. where they come mm-hmm. up and they're better than their dad, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or even Prince Fielder. But very mm-hmm. few athletes wind up being better than their dads. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that he decided to come back and settle in Minnesota because he's not mm-hmm. from here. What was the decision to come back? So to my Minnesota? mom is. My mom's from Bloomington, yeah. so um, they had met here in his last. Yeah, a couple of years with the North Stars because he got traded in 87, 88. And then he, I think they had met then. And then he had moved out to Washington and would come back in the summers. Um, and so he was living out with a teammate because he was kind of, when he got traded, um, he was kind of in the minors. And then he came into Washington and they had like two or three goalies and somebody was hurt. And so he was kind of playing for Baltimore Skipjacks for the minor league yep. team then. So he was playing there and he was living with Al May actually, who uh, was also with Baltimore then. And then they both ended up coming up together eventually. But um, so then when I was born, um, they had gotten the house or they had already had a house in, in Annapolis. I was born and then they finally, you know, decided that, Hey, let's live in Minnesota in the end. So I don't know yeah. if that was more my mom's decision and <laughs> getting to know her more now it probably was, but it, um, it's funny. So a lot of, a lot of hockey players I've talked to uh, who've, bounce around but met their wife in one of their cities i would say 95 percent of the time they wind up living in the city of the wife Mm -hmm. when the playing days are over i mean Corey crawford is a perfect example he met his wife in chicago and it sure sounds like that's where they're Mm going to wind up when his playing days are over yeah Um, exactly a lot of guys i mean a lot of guys from that uh north stars team um still live around here too for sure i mean we see a lot of them you know, yep. pretty regularly through the alumni and events yeah. and stuff like that. So th- that had to have been kind of neat growing up as a kid. And you probably didn't even realize how special it would be oh, definitely. compared yeah. to other kids of, you know, Hey, all these guys are coming to the house. Side note, I, I worked with an uncle of yours for a while, mm-hmm. Joe Janice. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, he was telling the story. He's like, Oh, I, I wish I could have called you this weekend and uh, had you over to my brother-in-law's house. And he just started naming the goalies that yeah. were there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that, but for you, that's just, you know, a Saturday evening with dad, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like growing up, you're more used to. And I think a lot of people, I, I just kind of, I guess I don't have that like starstruck factor a little bit. Right. With it. And, and I definitely do. Like, I definitely understand like, I've met some super, I mean, I remember I met like Mike Richter and like, that was mm-hmm. one of the guys when I was young, young, like that's yeah. one. Of the things I loved like, watching Richter play, you know, and like Hashik and all those guys too. And like, like definitely don't take for granted, like the opportunity to meet those guys, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a little like, I don't know, I guess I've kind of gotten used to it a little bit. I guess I don't want to say that, but yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like it, it is, you are a little, used to I, I know what you mean because when I was playing college hockey, uh, one of my teammates was Brian Trottier Jr. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'll never forget, I, it was uh, junior year, I went into the coach's office during tryouts, and I said, and Trotch is sitting there on the couch, and I looked at the coach, he's like, I'm going to have to miss this weekend's on ice. And mm-hmm. the coach goes, well, why? And I said, well, my cousin's getting married, and mom and dad said I have to be there. The <laughs> wedding's in Chicago. And he goes, okay, that, that's an okay excuse. And Trotch is sitting there, he goes, yeah, I'm going to have to miss this weekend's on ice too. And the coach looks at him. He's like, 
what, do you have a wedding to attend to? And he's like, no, the Islanders want to retire my dad's number or something. <laughs> and they said, I have to be there. And we're like, Ooh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Big, you know, I don't know if you should be there for that one, but it was just so funny yeah. that he was so nonchalant about this stuff. And he talked about when he was a kid and living in Pittsburgh and Yager was an 18 year old rookie mm-hmm. and Trotch Jr. was closer in age to Yager than the rest of his teammates. But he, <laughs> he said, you know, his dad would be, bring Yager over after practice to play NHL 94. And uh, of course, Yager had to be the Penguins every time so he could be himself. And Yeah, well, that's <laughs> hilarious, too, because like to think that he was, you know, closer to the kids age. Yeah. And now, like all the guys at the end of Yager's career is playing with are closer to like a lot of those guys <laughs> dad's age, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it, it was just funny. Some of these stories he would start telling and it's like, stop for a minute and think about what you're saying to the rest of us. Cause mm-hmm. we would just like to be in the room, not even be, you know, yeah. but you know, as you know, at the end of the day, they're just people. Mm-hmm. It, they just have some different stories. And I I've been fortunate enough to skate with different people and meet different celebrities. And I don't think I've really been awestruck once I realized they're just people. It, it's fun to just get to know them and hear their story. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is like, and maybe it's just, you know, learning socially over time, but, you know, obviously they get asked about hockey all the time, but yeah, really when guys get into it and like really talk to you is when you ask them other things, non-hockey related. And I think I've just started kind of doing that yep. and everything else comes from there. You know, it doesn't matter really who you're talking to. I mean, you can ask somebody about their job, but do they mm-hmm. really want to talk about their job all the time? And yeah. stuff, stuff comes out eventually, but I mean, that's like, you know, you just talk to him as a person and that's how you get to know him as a person instead of, yeah. I I love that you said that because that's part of the idea behind this podcast is, yeah, I want to talk hockey. I want to talk goaltending with people. But the other part of it is I want to find out what makes goalies tick away from the rink. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I talked to Justin Goldman from the goalie guild, which Mm -hmm. for him, you know, mental health within the goalie community is what makes him tick. You know, there's a perfect example there. Um, so before we transition into talking that, you know, I, I want to mention the elephant in the room and that you are the wilds emergency backup Mm -hmm. goaltender. Um, I don't think it's a secret how maybe you landed that gig. You have a connection or two with the wild somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It it was through the stadium series as I've listened to the other podcasts and read the different stories that, uh, you know, just skating with some of the guys that they approached you. But you're not the only e-bug for the wild. No, mm-hmm. you're just maybe the uh, we'll say the the face of the wild e-bugs. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm one of two kind of main guys that do it. So yeah. Tino Vasquez is the other guy who does it, and he uh, he had been doing it like long before I had. And he had God, what, did he do a Players Tribune article or something like that? He did an article yeah. and wrote about it when he had to jump in for the Rangers, and that was like before you know, they had to be in the rank. Like when I started, they really created kind of the mandate of that guy needs to be in the building because when Tino did it, he was at his house and, and a lot of like being an e-bug, like a part of that is you have to have, you know, a job that can accommodate that and, you know, and flexibility and stuff like that. Um, But Tino lives super close to the rank. So he like five minutes. So it was easy for them to, Hey, we need a guy. Can you drive over here? And he can watch the game at home. They're just like, Hey, pay attention to the game and be ready if you need to have your bag packed. And so otherwise he could just sit at home and shorts and a t-shirt and do whatever. But (laughs) he was like, I had to go throw the suit on really quick, you know, get my bag, jump in the car, get to the rink and then throw my gear on. So, I mean, that's how it used to be, but I started right then. But I mean, it is a lot about flexibility and stuff like that too. I mean, I know 
man, probably 25 or 30 guys who do it, you know, yep. including, you know, uh, Bones, who you interviewed before, and yeah. lots up too. And a lot of guys have flexible positions. Like he works for Delta, I'm pretty sure, or he works Southwest for Airlines. Southwest. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, different hours and stuff like that where he can make that work. And for yep. me, I do, you know, digital marketing consulting. So I, you know, create my own schedule and I've got flexibility. Can, you know, Bob Mason, the old goalie coach, would text me at, you know, 8.30, be like, hey, you know, Doobie's taking the day off or, you know, <laughs> Al's taking the day off. Can you come in and jump into practice at 10? And it's like, all right, great. Throw my bag in the car at nine and zip over to St. Paul and, yep. you know, in 30 minutes and throw my gear on right when I get there and hop on the ice. So, um, so you kind of need that flexibility. And I think that's something that's pretty consistent that I've seen alongside of a lot of other e-bugs. I know Scott Foster was like an accountant. Accountant, too, yeah. Job, but I think they had like four or five rotating guys and yep. they don't have a lot of game commitments. Whereas like Tino and I split the games right in half. Mm-hmm. So we're each going to do at least 20 during the year, kind of depending on. What yeah. It, it, and it sounds like the wild are one of the teams that do rely on the e-bugs mm-hmm. a little more for those practice situations mm-hmm. where from what I've read, not every team does, um, you know, which I, I think that is kind of cool too. Cause that, that keeps you guys sharp too mm-hmm. for, you know, I, I still skate beer league and, you know, just being able to practice, <laughs> I miss that. And yeah. to, to practice those situational awareness of the speed of the NHL game, mm-hmm. that's not something you're going to be able to do in your beer league game. So the fact that they bring you in is good. Yeah. I think that it's tough to say if they lean on their emergency goals more. I mean, they definitely give us a shot. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, they wouldn't go out there or they try not to unless it was just a couple guys without a goalie or with right. only one goalie. Yeah. I mean, if they they know we're available and we're willing to do it, so they're not afraid to give us a call if they need a guy, which yeah. is good. I mean, I've skated with other teams in practice too. Um and that's kind of like, you know, I know Mike McKenna pretty well now too yeah. through you know, online stuff, but uh Ottawa needed a goalie to um fill in for Craig Anderson because they were playing a few and he like I guess rarely practices when they do long road <laughs> trips and stuff like that. So it's the beauty of being a a vet. You can yeah, say, yeah, nah, exactly. I know my body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was sitting next to Mike McKenna in the locker room and he's a great guy. And we were talking and stuff like that too, but you know, just practice with them. And he was like, yeah, I've met a bunch of you guys, you know, on the road. Cause that's usually how it goes. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's important too, that, you know, you look at like all the situations and stuff that your emergency goalie isn't just the guy walking off the street, like it sounds like, you know, right. I mean, at least be prepared for the sake of your team for one, but also the other team who's coming in. If they've yep. got no experience and they come into a game, they've never seen an NHL shot. Right. That's where you're going to run into some problems. And, you know, the question of, okay, are you providing a quality enough goalie to come in and do this? But I feel like, I think the first time I sat in the press box, like the very first night I did, I got a call that morning to fill in for Tino who couldn't make it. And, I was so nervous and now it's like I go there and it just, you know, feels like another day. You know? Yeah. So it, it's cool like that. And I don't think I'm as nervous about, you know, being on the ice isn't really the fear for me. You know, you battle right. in practice and I'm not yeah. going to say I stop everything or it feels like it used no. to feel in practice, but you feel you know, like it, you it fit in. It, exactly. And what I love about hockey players is it doesn't matter your skill level when you're in the locker room. You're just one of the guys. Mm, exactly, uh, yeah. There was one summer I was uh, skating with, it was Billy Zito's group in Chicago of uh, skaters, and I was playing rat hockey at Johnny's Ice House mm-hmm. the hour 
after them and they came up to me afterwards going, Hey, we need a goalie tomorrow. You want to skate? I was like, yeah, well, then I wound up skating with them the rest of the summer. Uh, that was back when Billy was still a, uh, player agent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in that locker room, we had former Stanley cup winners. We had high paid, uh, you know, NHLers, but mm-hmm. I was just one of those guys. Yeah. You uh, it, show up and you put your gear on and take, hey, yeah. Nice too, it, so. And I still remember the day one of the players was complaining about the $15 it was to skate every day going, God, can you <laughs> believe? Cause it was the one day Billy Zito wasn't at the, the practice mm-hmm. and he's, you know, and the guy's going, can you believe that he's charging us $15 a day for this? And, <laughs> and I'm working in, you know, I'm this college kid paying my own way. I'm like, who charges goalies, by the way, for that kind of stuff? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting next to him and I just go, you got to be shitting me. And at that, the whole locker room goes quiet. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, did I read in the newspaper this morning? You signed a new two-year, $5 million contract. Yeah. <laughs> is that your brand new Hummer sitting out in front of the rink? Yeah. I said, I'm working an unpaid internship. You don't hear me bitching, do you? <laughs> and he just kind of hangs his head and taps my pads. And he goes, I got you covered today. But you know, to his credit, he made sure the rest of the summer, somebody covered my, uh, my fee every That's day. Awesome. But it, it was just funny because in the locker room, it didn't matter that I was this, you know, division three JV backup giving them crap it was yeah. just we were a couple of hockey players in the locker room giving each other shit yeah it's just a great equalizer you get on the ice and then you see what happens but you know what yeah hey everybody's still out there so i mean i think it's the same way and you know even men's league you play into it yeah. yeah it doesn't matter where you played or whatever too hey we're playing in the same league on the same street ice so yeah all roads lead to the top but yeah all roads lead to the beer league right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um so i I read the great city pages article, uh, about Mm -hmm. you. And what I liked about it was in there, it was talking about prepping for the uh, stadium series. You know, as you were a kid, your dad gave you pointers Mm -hmm. for the stadium series. Did you have to maybe give your dad some pointers? Like, Hey, this is how the game's played today. Yeah, it was, (laughs) it was cool. It was like a little bit, uh, yeah, like you said, it was just roles reversed a little bit too, I yeah. think. Um, so he played, uh, when I was in high school, he played out in Pittsburgh for the Washington-Pittsburgh alumni game that they did out at, uh, was it, Heinz, Heinz, Heinz Field? Field. Yeah. Heinz Field. So he played in that one, and he went out, and he skated a little bit, like maybe a couple weeks before. He borrowed some gear from a place, so stuff that wasn't his own except for his mask. Yeah. Um, you know, and went out there and played, and I think it ended up being like, five five and he goes you know what I felt so uncomfortable it always felt like I was gonna get hurt mm-hmm. you know he's like it really wasn't fun and then this other game rolled around and you know the, another funny side story to that is the game the North Stars game rolled around and he was like oh, I don't know if I want to do it like you know I'm getting older all this stuff and then he got a text from Joe Malash who goes hey I'm playing in that game I'm hopping in that are you gonna play too <laughs> and he was like oh no because Jill's is 10 years yeah. older than he yeah. is and he's like there's no way Jill's can play and I can complain about not playing yeah. so I actually um, have a sticker of his mask uh, on yeah. my water mm-hmm. bottle here. Oh, yeah, I know. And I can't believe he wore that in the game. Unbelievable. Oh, that was like, awesome. So cool. So once my dad committed to that, he was like, you know what, it's time. To, I want to really get ready to do this. And, yeah, you know, if I'm going to do it, do it right. on the ice. Yeah, and feel good out there. And, I mean, he, again, it's 
second nature for him being a pro hockey player for so long. But yeah, I mean, he was doing yoga like three times a week. He was working <laughs> out with a trainer like he was, you know, him and I were getting on the ice, you know, maybe once, twice a week, especially more towards, you know, the game. Yeah. And we did some sessions. You can actually look it up on YouTube. There's some video that we took because he wanted to watch it back after. Yeah. Like, we didn't really do this back in the day. So, <laughs> so we set the GoPro camera and, and uh, watch it. We just did some drills and he was like getting used to the gear. So CCM got him some gear, the old North Stars. Yeah, they look great. And yeah. And again, another funny side story with Jill's is that um, my dad actually asked him, hey, are you interested? You know, what do you want? And he goes, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Just give me whatever you're getting. Like, <laughs> like no worry about specs or size or anything. Yeah, just give me what you got. Yeah. Whatever. So and, and now it's like a two totally different stories. I mean, Jill said he skated like once or twice. He borrowed my chest protector, the breezers and all that stuff. <laughs> he literally brought skates and like a cup, I think, all in, a, in his mask that yeah. he got made before the game. So, yeah, I think my dad really put in the work for that game and that and it paid off i mean i thought he played great and he said he felt great in there and yeah it's up too so it was fun to watch yeah i remember watching that game i i grew up in chicago so i'm a hawks mm-hmm. fan mm-hmm. and i actually went to murray bannerman's learn to skate as a kid mm. and I, I remember being a squirt out on the ice seeing this former blackhawk goalie thinking god one day i want to be as good as him and i was watching that <laughs> stadium series game as a bureau you're going you know what? I think I'm better than Murray Bannerman these days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, like, man. Funny how it came full circle. Now, your dad, uh, toward the end of his career, he was playing in an era when I was playing. So the equipment is actually what I still wear, as, as you've probably seen on my Instagram account. Yeah, I, I actually some... saw it last night. I was going to ask you how the game go. Yeah, we, we, had, we won 5-4. to four. Uh, By go. my count, I made about 35 saves. I felt, nice. God, it felt really good. But it, it was funny when the refs came out. Cause it, I played a few pickup games since COVID, but this was the mm-hmm. first real game. So the refs came out, and I looked at the one, and I said, you know, I've really missed your kind. <laughs> and he started <laughs> laughing. And uh, – but there were a lot more smiles from both sides of uh, the benches. Uh, you know, yeah. Guys, mm-hmm. it, it was a sloppy game. I'll, I'll say that because there was a lot of guys where this was their first skate since everything went down. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, and that's like six or seven months for a lot of guys. I mean, I've only been on the ice a handful of times. And I yeah. skated out a little bit, too, and doing that. But, you know, I've only been in the net. God, just a few times skating with some pro guys before they went back to camp. Or yeah. when camp opened up, I guess. And it was like, that was the first time I had skated in three months. And I was like, all right, I can't promise you I'm going to be any good because it's been about three months since I put the gear on. But yeah, you, know, you but, go out there and it just comes right back to you and it feels good. Then, you know, yeah. the, the, you know, the good feeling of being back out in your gear again and stopping a few pucks just overweighs, oh, you know, gotcha. the, the sloppiness you may feel or, you know, you let in a soft one or something like that. It just feels good to be back out there. So well, I talked to Justin Goldman and, he and I talked about how we didn't realize how much we needed that first skate until we got mm-hmm. out there and just, you know, yeah, we, we talked about how good it physically feels, but just mentally what it did for us. Um, yeah. I was talking to somebody else and they said that first skate, it, it was like being on a coffee, a three day coffee high, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it was like, that's what it felt like that first skate back. I remember waking up the next morning, still smiling. Yeah, it, you know, it's just, it, it was good for me. But uh, getting back to the question is, you know, I've got old equipment. I'm, my stuff's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the reasons I haven't gotten new equipment is I'm just cheap. But the other, at this point, the other apprehension I have is 
the technology and the equipment has mm-hmm. changed a lot. I mean, some goalies don't even have leather straps on their pads anymore, mm-hmm. which we saw can be an issue. Yeah, uh, in yeah, fact, Leski the other night, I was just about to say. Yeah, yeah in I, fact, was a glaring one. I texted uh, Mike, or not texted, I, I tweeted Mike McKenna with a picture of all my straps on the back of my pads mm-hmm. before the game saying, yeah, I won't have any pads flying it, off tonight. Yeah, not happening uh, to me. <laughs> but, you know, so your dad, he, he's wearing new modern equipment for that mm-hmm. stadium series game. That, every goalie I've talked to that's moved from the older equipment like uh, me and your dad wore mm-hmm. to the new stuff they say there's an adjustment how did he handle that adjustment and how did he like it so that was a a, you know part of it once we got the you know green light from ccm to do that we kind of worked on specs for a while and i used to work in you know at total hockey and all those places too and you know goal crease help and size and stuff like that too and i'm like gear nerd for sure like 100 like most goalies are yeah exactly yeah so um we we spent a lot of time. I mean, it was like a couple, four or five brainstorming sessions of like, all right, here's what we want, you know, all down to the angle of the glove and, you know, stiffness of the pads and, you know, pads before and stuff you wear don't have a thigh rise on them. You know, there's no, right. so that's one of the things we try not to include. And they added, you got to do at least one inch on there. Yeah. So we've got that. We also decided he used to wear, you know, 33 was the size of his pads. Yeah which also was his number two, but so he, uh, so he used to always wear that size, but we went a size down and we said, you know what, they're going to be more stiff. Let's keep them smaller. You know, I mean, it's got the softest boot in there. It's got double brakes, internal, external, like the softest we can get them. We almost played around with the idea for a while getting, you know, an intermediate build 32 pad. Cause that's mm-hmm. as big as they go. I don't yeah. know if that's now, but, um, but it was then and we go, you know, maybe we can get the soft, soft foams in here and it's going to feel more comfortable like what you wore and I mean we broke them in and we had a pool table at our old house and we used to <laughs> squish them underneath the pool table and all that stuff I mean I've heard all the stories of guys running them over with their car yeah. and like just to break in the foams and and so we did all that stuff before and um and so we made sure that you know all that stuff you know we found a way to get all three glove breaks in there and so at goal crease, they had all three. And so we were able to shoot and he was being like, all right, I like this one, this one, and this one. Yeah. And he loved the, he loved catching with the 590, which is like the standard CCM yeah. break one, but he couldn't handle the puck with it. He wanted to be able to shoot the puck and do that <laughs> stuff too. So we went to the 600, which is like the best. And I'm wearing this stuff now and like yeah. handling such a huge part of my game and it makes it so easy. So, I mean, it's just those little things and considerations and, I think what a lot of people do, and I guess when you don't live in Minnesota and there's not as much access to it, yeah. you know, it's tougher to do that. But I'd like highly recommend if you can try gear or at least put it on and do stuff like that, it can really change your game and make you feel a lot more comfortable in that. So yeah, I think he found the pads were really stiff from the get go, but the more he got used to them, he goes, this is great. The rebounds kick away. It's consistent. You know, the glove feels solid. My hands aren't stinging. Like, all those little things too. So I think yeah. he, he was, he says all the time, he goes, I don't know how you ever complain about what you got on with what I had to wear. And yeah. All too, so I, I was joking. I was talking to somebody the other day about my first set of association goalie equipment. Cause it, it was actually a, another baseball dad. My son's a baseball player. Mm-hmm. He likes hockey, but he just likes to skate on yeah. the pond. And, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had fall baseball starting up and he said he went and picked up the uh, catcher's gear and he was impressed at the quality of it. Cause yeah. you know, it's usually 
10 years old and I started laughing. I said, well, I was playing youth hockey. I started in the early nineties and our stuff was from the seventies, you know, brown <laughs> deer hair filled yeah. pads. I said, my first chest protector was a two piece where, you know, the belly part looked like a baseball chest protector. Yeah, the chest and then, and arms. then it had the arm piece separate and it was about, you know, maybe oh, so a sixteenth of an inch thick. And uh, that, then I look at the stuff I have now, even though it's 20 years old now, but it's just light years ahead of, yeah. you know, what your dad wore growing up. And even in the NHL, it's, it's crazy. Um, I remember at one practice in high school, one of my teammates said, Hey, what if goalies still didn't wear masks? Well, what would you think of that? And I looked at him and said, I'd be a forward. Yeah, <laughs> like- <laughs> exactly. I can't even imagine how, how those guys did. I mean, even Jill going out there just in that game. I mean, yeah. when I skate out, I wear a cage, like something dumb's going to happen. You're going to get hit in the face. It's right. like not worth losing teeth and eyes over and stuff like that too. And you know, it makes me think of lacrosse goalies too. Like you got to have such high adrenaline that field lacrosse guys, you don't wear any other yeah. gear besides the chest thing. Like that's just pure adrenaline. I'm sure that's what those guys did. You know, it's whoever could, you know, get up and be the most confident and be willing to step in front of their teammates. And it, it's kind of the same mentalities with goalies now, you know, get in front of pucks and do whatever it takes. I mean, you, you would never see a goalie at a high level if they lost their mask or, you know, lost their glove in the middle of a scramble, not try and make the save. Right. Well, look, Hunter Miska made the barehanded mm-hmm. save. Unbelievable. Yeah. I remember watching that over and over again being like, <laughs> God, how could he ever do that? And then I got in a game and you lose a piece and you're just like, all right, what can I do to, can I put my arm over there? Can I put my leg over there? Do I just got to put my hand out? Like whatever it is, you just don't even think about it in the moment. Yeah. Well, in Goal Magazine, their podcast, they talk about Marc-Andre Fleury and how he's so good on the desperation save just because mm-hmm. he's got it built in to never give up on a play. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why he makes those incredible saves. And I, I think a lot of us goalies, we have that same mentality. Don't give up. Okay, I don't have a yep. glove on. What can I do? This might hurt, but I'm, that thing's not going in the net. If, exactly, I have, yeah. if I have anything to do with it, it's not going in the net. And, hey, if I stop the puck, then maybe I can get the whistle to get my glove back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And I think that's one of the biggest things, like coaching, too, with young kids, you know, whether they're in mites or squirts and they're trying to learn how to play goalie. Yep. I mean, things we always try and teach is always jump on the puck, never give up. Even if it's sliding behind you, dive, do something, do something to get there and yeah. kind of grow that you know, instinct that, you know, you're never going to give up on a play. Even if, you know, the guy passes it and he's standing behind you in between you and the net, find a way to get there, whether you trip him or, you know, poke the puck away or, you know, take him out, whatever it is, you got to do something. And I think as a goalie, you just kind of have that natural instinct or you learn over time yet. That's all I, you know, that's all I know is to never give up. So. Yeah. Well, as, as coaches, we tell the, the forwards to keep going until you hear a whistle and it's mm-hmm. the same idea for the goalie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, you know, one of the ideas behind the podcast is to find a little bit more about the goalies away from the ice too. You know, you mentioned you're in digital marketing. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what I do too as an analyst. Uh, mm-hmm. So what do you do in digital marketing? I, I'm excited to hear about this one. <laughs> so I, I do a little bit of everything. So I consider it kind of consulting. There's um, it's mainly focused on small businesses and mm-hmm. my 30 second sales pitches. Basically I'm trying to take care of the marketing work you need to get done that you don't have time to do, mm-hmm. but it's not enough where you got to pay somebody full time to do it. Right. You, know, you have, you know, you know, two hours or five hours or 10 hours of social media work and website work that you need done in a week. Your time is better spent, you know, 
going out and meeting with your customers or yep. you know, actually working on whatever your product is or, you know, distributing or whatever that is. And it's probably not best spent like on Instagram or Facebook or your website, <laughs> right. you know? So that's where I come in and I can take care of that. And so basically my goal is to just take care of those things for you. So you don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've got a lot of clients in real estate who their job is better focused going to meet with their customers, you know, yep. looking for homes, you know, paying attention to the market, you know, networking, stuff like that. Their time isn't best spent sitting on Facebook or Instagram right. trying to get likes and do that stuff too. So basically it's coming up with plans for small businesses to run their marketing and their social media in like mm -hmm. a super cost-effective manner, you know? Make, makes sense to me. You're speaking, speaking one of my love languages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just, there's a lot of, it's a necessity now, you know, especially with all the COVID stuff going on. There's so much stuff digitally that, you know, that's how you're attracting customers. They're not going yep. into the store. They're not doing those things right now as often as they were. So those bases got to get covered. And yeah, that's what I basically try and do so. Well, I think it was Henry Ford that said half of my marketing budget is wasted. The other half is effective. I just don't mm -hmm. know which half is which. Well, in digital, we know that. Exactly. Which half is which. And that, that's where my role is. The analyst comes in. I mm -hmm. get to look at how are people interacting with the posts? How are they interacting with the mm -hmm. website? What are they doing when they're there? Uh, if we have goals set, goal conversion set up, um, how are people maybe getting hung up before they get to the goal? How can mm -hmm. we change that? So yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I could probably ask you a bunch more questions, but <laughs> I think those that tuned in to hear about goaltending would probably be yeah, like, exactly. okay, on to the next one. So mm -hmm. when, when you're not uh, on the ice, when you're not coaching, and when you're not doing the marketing, uh, what do you do for fun? I know you got a, a dog. Mm -hmm, <laughs> you mm -hmm. you, you got to take him for a walk, just like I yeah, had exactly, this morning. Yeah. Uh, what do you do away from the rink to kind of bring you that balance? Oh, man. I, it's funny. It's, it doesn't feel like a whole lot. It's, you know, a lot, of my, <laughs> a lot of my weeknights. I mean, it's you work and then, you know, men's league starting up for us again too yeah. next week. So I'm playing uh, tomorrow night and, or this week, playing tomorrow night and uh, Wednesday. And then uh, coaching this weekend, helping out a friend's uh, program. They work with Apple Valley, uh, Burnsville. So okay. helping them out. Um, which, which group is that? Is that Devin Air? Uh, no, it's okay. uh, uh, True Performance. So it's okay. um, it's uh, Colin Olson. He uh, was a good friend of mine. He was my goalie partner, my first goalie partner ever, really. <laughs> I was like seven or eight. Oh, cool. And uh, so he ended up playing through Apple Valley and then he went to the development program and then played for Ohio state and Western Michigan, but he finally moved back. And so he, he was like, I got to get back into coaching and his hips yeah. are too bad to really play. I think anymore. Um, I know he, he's gotten them done, but I think at some point you kind of go, all right, what's it going to be, you know, what's yeah. the price to pay for going out there and all that, but he wanted to get back into coaching. So I'm helping him out a ton, but you know, besides that, I mean, it's, you're always kind of thinking of the next thing, especially in high school too, where, you know, you're not looking at it a year at a time, you know, no. it's you've got kids who are coming in as that you've talked to as, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth graders who are interested in the program and, you know, see, have seen our success over the last couple of years and really try and get you in. So, I mean, other than that, I don't know, I've, I've had a really big obsession with like F1 lately. Been watching <laughs> lately so, I mean, it's just one of those things you always kind of find something else and it always yep. seems to be sports, whatever, if it's golf or, you know, football's kicking back up again and baseball and all that stuff too, seeing how that's going. But, um, yeah, it is, it is a lot of hockey, I guess. <laughs> I kind of 
tune it out and everything's a little bit different. You know, men's league is so different than coaching yeah. and yep. all that stuff too. And watching the NHL and paying attention to that is so different. So um, I think it, it still feels like a little bit of variety, but it's just kind of always been part of my life too. I mean, as a kid, I was obsessed, like, you know, playing the video games, you know, watching stats, you know, same all here. that stuff too. So same here. And it's been interesting as I've grown older because as a kid, it's easy, you know, mm-hmm. you go to school, you come home and, you just watching Don Cherry videos. You're mm-hmm. you're playing NHL on Sega and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But as you grow older, and you know, I've got a wife, I've got kids, and a job, and all of this stuff, and it's like it still comes back to hockey for me. Yeah. Um, that that's where the podcast came from. Which uh, my wife and kids were the ones that kind of gave me the encouragement to start it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they fully embrace it. But it's still it's it's the men's league hockey and all these other things. And, you know, I, I do a lot of reading and my two genres are either presidential memoirs and biographies or hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like I go in back the- and forth and then when it's turning the TV on, what am I watching? I'm watching hockey. You know, I'd say 95% of my t-shirts are some kind of hockey shirt. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's like, whether it's, you know, reading or watching TV, like it always kind of comes back to that in some way too. I mean, I guess it's just a love of the game thing. And yeah. I think especially once you get to, you know, get past and you're playing beer league, it's like, you're still playing because you love to play. And right. thankfully for us, it's like really accessible here in Minnesota and you can still do it. But you know, if you see guys in, you know, Florida or Carolina or, you know, in that area too, or, you know, out West that still play men's league, it's cause they love it. You know, yep. it's not as accessible. It's probably way more expensive. I mean, I got a friend who lives in, Indianapolis and they've only got like one league out there yeah and he plays in it and he you know played high school hockey and then went on to play college baseball out there but you know he plays there and he's one of the best guys and you know maybe the bottom half of his team really isn't you know they're not great <laughs> players but he goes I love it you know I get to go yeah. out and play hockey once a week and I mean he was bummed when he was out of it for a while and they're kicking back up so it's just always kind of comes back in a way so yeah it's it's crazy so one of the groups I skate with for pickup hockey um is they're they're shooting a a documentary called for the love of puck Mm -hmm. and that that's the whole premise is you know once you get to beer league you're playing the game because you love it Mm -hmm. you know and it doesn't matter what level you've played at when you're on the ice when you're in the locker room post game you're just with a bunch of people that have the same passion for something you have passion for and that's what makes it great yeah. You know, and post game, you're usually not even talking hockey. It's, you know, it's, all the yeah. other stuff going on in life, but it's like, it's, it's that connection with the other players that I think makes it great. I, I remember yesterday is everybody's coming back into the locker room. We hadn't seen each other since our last game that we mm-hmm. didn't know was going to be in our last January game or February, you know, and the questions were, how are you doing? You know, what's, mm-hmm. what's been going on in your life? What's you new? know, yeah. the, the one guy had just moved his, you know, oldest off to college that mm-hmm. week. And it, it was like, you could see how it, he wasn't handling it. Well, we'll put it yeah, that way. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, and different things like that. It was just funny on how the conversation wasn't even hockey. Now I asked a few of my guys, like, have any of you gotten any skating in, or is it going to be a really long night for me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that was my worry is like, have any of you, have you been shooting pucks in the driveway? What, what's been going on guys? <laughs> yeah, there was a, uh, there's a tweet I retweeted and it was like, four months ago and yeah. somebody had said something like you know 
players, you know, on beer league teams, make sure you bring uh, an extra case of beer for your goalie because we all know your back checking hasn't gotten any better over the break. Yeah. And that was like four months ago. And I know one of my teams was giving me a little crap for it. Uh, like, what are you saying that we weren't good back checkers before? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying to you. I, I think I may have replied to that tweet asking, you know, my team's supposed to back check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. No, like, yeah. Oh but yeah. Like, that was like four months ago. And here we are just starting up again. It's yeah. It's been a long time. And like I said, like four months didn't help their back check then. Too, no, so I'm not, I'm not looking forward to the long night tomorrow as we know again. So which uh, beer league do you skate in? So I play in that uh, Metro Showcase League. Okay. So um, we've got one team that plays Tuesday nights, um, which is a bunch of my buddies that I played club hockey against when I went to the U mm-hmm. and uh, some friends from high school, stuff like that. And, and their buddies too. But, um, and that team, we went undefeated before the, uh, <laughs> before the uh, season got canceled. And we don't have a single guy who played anywhere past club, no D3, no mm-hmm. D1 none of that stuff, but a bunch of like good, they were good yeah. high school players and good club players, like some of the best at, you know, whether it was yeah. North Dakota or the U or Duluth or whatever. Um, and we've been playing together for, you know, four or five years in different leagues and groups and coming together. And we've got like a group of 10 guys who always show up every yeah. week. And I think once you get to that point, kind of, it's, we just got good chemistry. Our guys always play usually with the same guys. You know, we got our four or five D man, um, you know, group and then our, forwards are two lines you know two and a half lines usually stay with the same guys all the time um yeah so that's my tuesday night squad and then uh on wednesdays um i play with a uh a teammate of mine from high school ended up going to st olaf he's a year younger but it's a bunch of his teammates from st olaf so they're all d3 guys okay and some junior guys who end up moving to minnesota and stuff like that too so that's like a really good high skill squad but yeah that wednesday night is filled with some <laughs> well we played on mondays and there's like some really really good teams i mean this league you see you know european guys you know there's um yeah there's a team of all st thomas former d3 guys a team of, um uh a bunch of a bunch of d3 schools and stuff like that have a lot of guys who come back and play in this league so yeah it's pretty high competition um i'd say and it's it's kind of a mix of you know guys who never played but were good um and yeah. guys who really did play and are still looking for someone to play and the age range is pretty big too i mean um, our youngest guys are like, you know, 23, 24, and there's guys who are probably 35, 36, who still keep up in the league. And, you know, you see, I think Ryan Thang plays a little bit in the league. He plays in Europe and stuff mm-hmm. like that too, when he's back. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of good skill guys and usually, and I'm sure you see it too. There's two or three guys who are probably above the level and then maybe a handful of guys who are maybe yep. below the level, but it all evens out in the end. And as yeah. as it's competitive, it's fun. So. so I, I play in the, um, the super rinks adult mm-hmm. league through the yeah. wild and they, they do a great job there, but uh, the team yeah, I play like on the levels. Oh yeah. And the, the team I'm on is in one of, if not the lowest level. <laughs> uh, it, and as a team, we belong there. Um, but it was one of my college teammates that mm-hmm. he, he got me on the team and now he doesn't play anymore. Uh, Cause <laughs> he's got, he, he's got kids at home that are too, yeah. you know, they're young our games are at bedtime. I get it. And I keep, yeah. I keep telling them, give it two, three years. You'll be back. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those where th- there was an adjustment for me get, getting to adjust to that speed down mm-hmm, there. Definitely. But every team seems to have 
that one or two guys that yeah. played Division three or played juniors that and they sneak dude, into a lower level. Well, but, I wouldn't but, say they sneak in. They just they like that team. But for the most part, those guys just play defense. Yeah. And, they they don't put the puck on net unless their team is down and they need a few goals or it's late. yeah then they turn it on a little bit but, but again but, you want to yeah. play with who you want to play with you know your yeah. friends and that again it, it comes back to that's the most fun part about it is you know yeah. being in the locker room with your buds and you know playing yeah. and with that too like it'd be a bummer if so we said all right you can't play on this team anymore it's like all right then I guess I'm not playing hockey because I don't know who else to play with and yeah. I want to play with a bunch of guys I don't know it's not fun well and, yeah. and that's why I've stayed on this team I've had other teams reach out to me be like hey you want to play on our team and it's like well that would mean leaving mm-hmm. this other team and those like, are your guys now they're like but yeah but we're a higher division we're a better team it's like mm-hmm. absolutely you are but those that, that's same. my team you know yeah. <laughs> like it, it doesn't matter their skill level it's it's the group you're with mm-hmm, um, sure. yeah so I'm taking a look at time I don't want to take all yeah, of no your days so one of the things I'm doing with each episode is I finish finish it off with kind of 10 rapid fire questions okay. Just kind of a little personality from everybody yeah. and um, kind of like on the old inside the actor's studio yeah. you, you always ask them so the first one is the craziest coach moment you've experienced uh either coaching or playing you know the, the good old mike keenan throwing the sticks on the ice type of moment oh man <laughs> um i'm trying to think of some good ones i mean there's definitely been i think one of the craziest things i've seen and like learned about it is as a bantam you know the classic like push over the gatorade cooler like yeah. you know break a stick you know throw some stuff break the board all that and then you see the coach walk out and you're like i don't even want to talk to that coach for you know, the next week. Yeah. And then the assistant comes in and like kind of picks up the pieces and like, all right, I'm going to stick by this guy forever. And now being a coach, you know, you've got to do that. And it's funny because it's way more premeditated than it is like yes. just raw emotion. And so we're talking with our head, Pat Griswold's our head coach. And we were like really slack and I can't remember which game it's happened two or three times, but he's like, all right, I got to go in there and I got to send a message. Now it's time to do it. Like we're four or five games into the season. We're still not where we should be. You know, so he'll go in there and he's like, all right, one of you guys has to pick up the pieces. You figure it out. I'm going in and then you guys figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's partially spontaneous, but it's definitely premeditated where, you know, the assistant coach has to go in there and pick up the pieces and, you know, it kind of brings the team together and they can get the message without being too hurt yep. in a way too. So it's, it was funny to see both sides. It's like that scene from Miracle when he lays into him and then walks yeah. out smiling, think that'll get him going. And Exactly. And that's the a- whole thing. Last episode, I was talking to Maria Mountain about uh, a similar experience when I was coaching where the head coach, he's like, you guys sound here. He walks in and kicking garbage cans mm-hmm. over and dropping F-bombs. And he comes out, looks at us, starts laughing. He goes, that ought to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny, but it does. You know, you really get the message. And sometimes it takes that kind of tone from the coach to, you know, get the message through. Yeah. So the next one, I have a feeling I know what the answer may be, but it's still worth asking. What is your favorite all-time goalie mask? Um, all-time, I well, one of my dads. I think it's got to be Washington, but I do love his Ottawa one for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I liked his Washington one. So I'm glad glad you mentioned his yeah. mask because one of the things he's known with with his mask isn't so much the artwork as it is – the cage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Do you even know? So his first helmet was his Cooper, which also yeah. 
<laughs> Thanks, for guys. Yes. I, I got the Cooper hack on. I did not uh, pick one up. I'm kind of kicking myself. No, but I, know, I, I, I know if I call Landon. Um, uh, he's got to be able to hook you up. Yeah, I know. He, In fact, I, I'm wearing his Northern Enforcer yep. shirt right mm-hmm. now. With the yeah, match. I got a shirt and a hat. I was like, I got to do it. Yeah, I, I got to do it. I, yeah, I, I know. That. I'm sure he's got a couple saved up, or they'll probably just do it again. Yeah. They sold them all out in five minutes. I remember I was like, I've seen stuff like with bigger apparel and merchandise yeah. and stuff like that. You want to get something, and you got to be right in the first minute. I was like, all right, you know, it's a smaller, like there was some like buzz about it and stuff like that too. Nope. Like within five minutes it was all gone and I couldn't get a sweatshirt and like all that stuff too. So it was pretty cool. I know they have a couple at the Minnesotan, which is right down the road from Mm -hmm. my house. And I know Corey. So if I called him and said, Hey, you got any, put them to the side. I'll be in. He'll he'll do it for me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, So anyway, so he was wearing the old Cooper helmet, the, you know, the birdcage with the North Stars when he first started playing, because that's what he grew up with. And the bars on there were similar to how his cage ended up being. And so he got, I'm pretty sure he got his mask back from uh, Harrison and, and it had like a regular standard cat eye cage and he didn't like it. Like he didn't like the sight lines and not being able mm-hmm. to see in peripherals. And so he goes, can you make me a cage that is similar to the Cooper mask I wore? You know, mm-hmm. same thing like that. And they set up the bars like that. And that's kind of how it started and never changed from that. Yeah. It, well, it's funny because um, I, I wore the birdcage for the longest mm-hmm. time and it was about a year and a half, two years ago where I switched over to yeah. the cat eye. And I absolutely love it because something with the birdcage was just always felt like there was a bar, the bar right, is right there. Um, but that Beaupre cage, it just, yeah, I, I'm surprised we don't see it more, especially at the youth levels because it, it so is. So it is illegal. You can't wear it in high school, and there are goalies who do wear it. Yeah. Kind of the gray area of like, should we just tell the ref that they've got an illegal cage or let them right. go? I mean, it's it's basically a standard cage, but the bars around your eyes are, are bigger. Up. You can see, yeah. this, and then the middle bars are pushed together a little bit more. Yep. And so there's some people who do it with like in the cat eye, they're sealed together. Yeah. And on my dad's, it was just a little bit of separation, like a half yep. an inch. And so it's a little squared up. So there is space for pucks to get in there, but it's close enough where it looks normal. So yeah. a lot of guys can get away with wearing it yeah. in places you're not supposed to. I, I'm actually surprised we don't see it more at, yeah, definitely. at the different levels because th- that was my biggest gripe with the, the birdcage is there always just seemed to be a bar right in yep. the, the sight line. Um, and that was the fix was that you just move it up just a little yeah, bit. It, I remember it, it, wearing the old ones too, where it was like, some goalies would wear them super high so they could look underneath the bar and yep. some over the top. And I get it. You want it right there for protection for your eyes, but yeah, you can't see anything, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you said he worked with Greg Harrison cause I'm trying to work with him to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but it, it's working through the technology side of it with him. It definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he, he painted so many iconic masks and yeah. I mean, I remember my dad told me about the process and it was literally, he showed up, and met with him and they did the whole cast on his face and yeah. the mold, right. And built it. And then he had the mold and could make them anytime and send them out. And I mean, I think all my dad's paint jobs on his masks were great. I mean, yeah. it's just, and they're, they're simple, but they got good color balance from a distance. And like, that was the thing when we designed his um, outdoor game mask for the North stars. Um, uh, we, that's what we focused on is we want to have, you know, a big design on the side that you can see, you know, if you're sitting up in the top deck at TCF, you can see that, Hey, it's a star on the side or, you know, the big green space. 
but you know inside were all like the things like you know he had you know himself and Malash and you know all the yep. goalies on there and then we added a bunch of little details you know he had the skyline you know the Minneapolis and St. Paul skyline yeah. represent you know Twin Cities he had all the names of you know the past North Stars goalies on the mask like a bunch of little details when you look up close you know it really tells the story so what did he do with that mask after the game? Is it sitting in the den at home or? It is. Yep. So he's got all, he's got a collection of all his masks. And at our old house, we had, you know, the mantle and all that stuff too. And yeah. we had some bookshelves that were built in and he had all of them up there. It's kind of like actually in here in my, in my office here, I've got kind of a similar okay. setup with all my yep. old stuff there too. But, um, but uh, yeah, he's kept them all and he's got it there. And I remember I had to, God, and I, I got a mask done and I had to borrow it for a little bit and I took one right off the right off the cage and <laughs> the cage so I had to get him a new one so it looked good when he hung it up but, um, but yeah it was I mean and that was one just a regular I think a 950 or a 960 that we got painted up but you know we spent just like the gear and stuff like that too we spent some time on it and I yeah. think it kind of overall that whole process like went into how much yeah. effort and you know dedication we had to like putting it all together you know wrapped up into a good product at the end i mean he, again absolutely like, he great and he felt good and had a good yeah. time so who painted that mask uh out of curiosity uh gilby gilby designs oh. in burnsville so we okay. wanted to work with somebody local and yep i can't remember if he reached out or i reached out to him i think i we saw something and and uh we put it together and we sat with him you know did some emailing you know over designs and we sat with him one night and you know kind of yeah. went over the final look and then he painted it and we picked it up i, I gotta find the picture it's it feels like it was just yesterday. I mean, it was a great time and he did a great yeah. job on it. And just seeing the picture now, I can't remember who took it, but I was looking and I was like, God, this reminds me of a photo from like 2002 or something like that. Like just the, like, cause we're standing in his house and like, you don't see that very often. Like now you'll see the mass painter, like in the locker room and they yeah. got the professional camera and all that stuff too. So it was special for sure. I mean, he was happy that he did it with somebody local and yeah. all that stuff too. And now Gilby's cranking out mass left and right. I mean, He's done a ton of stuff. He does great work. I think he's a, at a good price for a mm-hmm. lot of youth goalies and stuff like that to get something cool. I mean, I remember getting my first painted mask too and being like, this is incredible. Like I'm yep. so, so excited. So absolutely. Um, when I replaced my mask that I wore from college for mm-hmm. years, like the first thoughts I had is I was driving home from the Bauer store was hmm, when I decide to pull the trigger i wonder what yeah. i'll get on there you know are you, are you like me where you just can't decide on anything permanent like i could never get like a tattoo or like i or like even get my mask paint. like yeah. what do i want on there i want it to have so many things and I'm right like, I, that's how i am i think i can commit but i don't have the artistic um vision or vision to really bring it together like yeah because the two painted masks i've had were from high school and college mm-hmm. So I would almost like to have, you know, the high school the half and half, on the yeah. one side and the college, but my high school colors are maroon and orange and my college mm-hmm. colors are red, white, and blue. Yeah. It's like, how, how do you make that? How mix? do you make yeah. that mix? Like I've got some ideas with really a, a good artist that has a, yeah. a, a flair and, and for I've that. Learned is that you give the artist some ideas yeah. and let them go. I mean, that's their job is to be creative. And I think the mass I've been, happiest with are the ones that I just let the guy go and say, mm-hmm. Hey, here's what I need. Here's our team mascot. Here's the colors. Do something cool. I want something, you know, textured yeah. or whatever. And that's it. And let them run with it. And the more you get into it, the more you're, cause you're never going to have the same vision as the person, no. but yeah, that's my best advice for looking for a mask. Yeah. Is, so it's like, I, I have the concept. I just don't know visually how could they make it come together. And like, I've got other ideas that 
you know, th- those small details that when you're up close, you see them, like some mm-hmm. of those small details I'd like yeah, I love that worked stuff. in there for, you know, personal reasons. Um, I, I would like to have those on there too. So it's just like, how do I articulate that to somebody yeah. who is creative exactly. to come up with something killer? Because some of these paint jobs, you know, the, the crazy detailed ones that Dave Art puts out are awesome, yeah. but still like the mask of the, 80s and 90s that yeah. were so simple and you know still told the story and still represent yeah. things and um yeah you know your your dad's washington mask is a great example it's like mm-hmm. you look at thing it's one of the iconic washington masks yeah um and i love that he stuck with the theme of it too i mean the capitol building on it there and then yeah. in ottawa same same idea and then yeah and you know it just adds you know that hometown or you know the the team flair, the city flair. So yeah, I think it was a good balance of that. And how crazy that he played in both countries capitals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, So he's able to put the capital buildings on both masks. One of his things always was I'm never putting the logo on there directly because it's not the Jersey anymore. He was like always like everything but that. And so I think that's kind of how it helps. It's like more of like a supplemental piece instead of like a, this is a Washington Capitals mask. Yeah. It's like it goes with the uniform kind of an idea. That's that's an interesting take on that. I like that. Yeah. Like every, everybody knows. And if, if done right, they'll be able to tell anyway. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's like Felix Potvin and Eddie Belfort. Mm-hmm. You always knew what team they played for. Exactly. Based on the colors. Yeah. Um, so on to the next one. We, we spent a little bit of time on, <laughs> yeah. on the mask. Uh, which stuff. is goalie geared nerds i I think we could Mm -hmm. do quite a bit of that we may just have to get together for beers since we're both local and do that uh the the your favorite rink that you've played at it could be a big place a small place we we all kind of have that one where we're like yeah this is um that's a good question you know i love playing at braemar i played at edina so i like playing in front of the crowd there is unbelievable i mean it's it's just the the, it's a horseshoe technically but people stand along the edge and that's great um it was cool to play at, uh, well, it was Bud Gardens now, or it was the John Labatt Center then, but now it's Bud Gardens in London, Ontario. Okay. So I tried out for that team for the Knights up there. And that rank was super cool. Like even in tryout, like camp stuff. Yeah. There were still fans everywhere. And it was, it was fun. I mean, that was probably like the highest besides, I mean, obviously practice with NHL guys, but like, as I had played, that was like the fastest pace i had played in that team was good that year too and it's i'm not surprised i didn't make that team so um but uh that was an awesome rink too i mean it was cool to see a little bit of something different in you know canadian junior hockey and yeah. they've got the best rinks and the best attendance and all that stuff in the in the league by far um but it's it was cool to see how everybody kind of gravitates toward that team in the city where you know you got the leafs close by and yep. all that stuff too so and they really dominated the time. i mean you'd see night stuff everywhere you went yeah so yeah. Uh, in Braemar, I've been in there. It's a great little rink. In fact, yep. uh, last year, my boy was playing in the Dyna baseball tournament mm-hmm. and Braemar's right there. And, At the fields next door. Yeah. yeah. And one of my college teammates, Ryan S, he runs Devon Air mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. They, they had camp going on at the time, so I just popped my head in there between games to say yep. hi, and that was my first time inside there. And it's like, yeah, this, yeah, is, a, it's, this is a cool that, barn. and That West I, Rink's a classic for sure. Could only imagine the atmosphere during, you know, any Dinah yeah. Jefferson game in the nineties. Yeah. It's packed. Yeah, exactly. So Or or yeah. even the Butte League, which you've you've got yeah. to skate mm-hmm. in a little bit. I, I know they packed. I never ended up in the Beauty League. I think 
I had talked with a couple because I knew some of the guys who were like coaching and playing yeah. in it. And I was like, if you ever need a guy, I'm you're, I'm a trained emergency goal. Uh, so so you're the Butte League go. backup. Yeah, I guess so. Technically. Yeah, <laughs> unused, but yeah, yeah, if it ever came. Oh, to funny. It. Um, so the fa- your favorite stick that you've used in your playing days? Oh, that's easy. So I had this old. I think it was a squirt or a peewee. And it's funny how gear kind of sticks with you, but it was yeah. this old CCM. And I can't remember what the brand, I mean, I was a squirt, I think, but it was a silver one with black, the old school CCM and the blocks. Yeah. On it, and I felt like it was so light and I used it as long as I could. So is I, that a foam core stick? No, I think it was a wood stick. I mean, it was, okay. maybe it was one of like the first foam cores and that's why I thought it was so light, but yeah, I love that stick. And I think, I mean, I, and that's like one I like, from my memory that I was like, this is my favorite stick I've ever had. Yeah. Um, now I use Dubnik sticks and his, he had another half inch this year, which I, is too big for me or it feels <laughs> a little bit, but he had a really small stick two years ago that I really liked. And they're the Bauer vapor sticks. It was like okay. the one X, yeah. two X, but I mean, they're light, they're snappy. You know, I love the curve he's got on there and like puck handling with it's yeah. awesome. I, I've gotten pucks that come to the zone and I can snap them back. I've shot them out over that end boards on the other yeah. end. Like, it's crazy. I haven't gone the composite route one because they're expensive for a beer leaguer, but two, I, I, my first stick I bought was a Titan and my goalie coach called it a log. He said it was the heaviest (laughs) stick. So I'm just used to heavy sticks. I used Christian sticks for the longest times and they were notorious for being like the heaviest goalie sticks on the market. So I've picked up some of these composites and to me, it's like, it's almost too late. I feel like I don't have anything in my exactly. hand. Exactly. Yeah. I need like a little bit of weight. So I, I still seek out the foam cores where available. So I'm using a warrior right now. Yep. And it's, I, I like it. Um, but I've used Bauer. I've used CCM, Coho, all of them. I remember the, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was either in the first or second year that I was practicing with the wild and doing the emergency goalie thing. I went out and I, had a slightly broken stick and then like the first shot of practice it broke so I went back to the bench grabbed my other one and it had and it wasn't broken and the next thing I can't remember who shot it but they shot it and it just blew the shaft off the top and I was like I don't have any sticks you know do you guys got any you know who's got extras in here and they had just traded Kemper so I guess if I could remember that timeline but they had a bunch of his old warrior sticks there yeah and Kemper is not a small guy and he used a long stick and it was like a 26 inch paddle or 27 inch yeah. paddle warrior foam core. And That's I was what I use. Yeah. And it was so heavy <laughs> and I had to tape it up really quick on the bench to get back out there. And my arm was so sore. And I think it was, it must've been when I think Doobie was hurt for a little bit or something like that. And I was out there, he was taking the day off and he was at the rank and I was talking to him after and he goes, your arm looks so dead, your, your blocker hand from holding that stick. He goes, I don't know how Darcy ever used any of those sticks. Like he was laughing. And, and I remember my arm was so just picking it up to make a blocker save. And that kind of goes back in like the whole practicing thing. Like when you don't practice regularly, you're not used to yeah. know, 200, 300 shots in an hour. I'm used to, you know, 30 shots in a beer league game and, yep. you know, really like 20 minutes of actually playing. So I mean, it, it was exhausting. And then on top of that, I used that super heavy warrior stick that I just wasn't used to. And it was too big. And, <laughs> yeah, but it was funny. That's oh, knocking over my microphone here. <laughs> that is funny. Um, what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Um, uh, you know what? My dad and I talk about all the time. And what the best part of youth hockey was is 
when you're playing mites at Edina, I mean, there's a lot of kids in the program, but yeah. you get put on the teams. And so it's just like playing against all your buddies and like you, just, like out on the ponds, like, cause they had so many teams, we'd go skate outside yeah. and we'd do, you know, little tournaments or whatever, but you're playing against, Oh, we're playing, you know, so-and-so's team today, you know, we're playing Nick's team or we're playing, you know, whoever's team today. And, uh, you know, that's what you kind of got up for, you know, even in, you know, peewees and stuff like that, when you'd play the other, like, you know, I played a lot of, I went B1A, B1A all the time. And cause we didn't have double A then. And, um, and so playing the other, you know, B1 team was always, you know, exciting. Cause it was like, yeah. these are the two even teams. Well, let's see who's really better. So yeah, um, definitely that for sure. I mean, that's playing against your friends, I think is so much more fun than, you know, playing against guys you didn't know. And I guess playing triple A hockey eventually, you know, you start to meet other people and, you know, from other cities and then you play against their teams too. And I mean, that, those games were always awesome too. And after, I mean, you see it a lot more now with high school kids Mm -hmm. because they are playing, you know, you know, inner squad stuff in the summer and in different clinics together. But after the game, you know, you battle with your buddies and then you get off and, you know, you finish the game, you go great game, whatever, who won, who lost, you couldn't even tell from the handshakes after the game. Absolutely. That's always the best. Absolutely. So this is one that, um, makes people laugh at times uh what is your favorite chirp you've heard on the ice oh man uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh there have definitely been some good ones i think be, i don't know it's it's funny to we get chirped by a lot of teams for my tuesday night team that doesn't have any d1 guys and like oh you guys are sandbagging it or whatever it's like and we're playing against teams that have guys who are wearing like D three stuff and, yeah. you know, and get stuff. But, uh, um, God, who's the team we were playing one of the teams and everybody had like the turn stuff mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, they all had like, you know, old, like avalanche, like return pants or Dallas stars gear or whatever to like match their team jerseys or whatever. And I think one of our guys, like, called them team gift shop or whatever it's like you guys went around the, <laughs> went around the league and tried to pick up uh went to the gift shop to pick up all their gear because there's no way they actually played for yeah. any of those teams so so it's pretty funny by asking you this question the consensus is coming the best chirps aren't necessarily ones that are ripping on a person like, oh no with yeah. vulgarity it's just the like out of left field it just it almost makes no sense to where it makes it funny (laughs) but yeah and there's no response that's when you know you really got a guy when he doesn't know what to say yeah and they're just like f you or whatever after it's like all right yeah 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 Yeah, exactly so uh next question only a few left here worst post-game beer you've had um i think well so last season I, uh, I got really sick and I was having like some stomach <laughs> problems or something like that. And we, uh, only had a few guys that were going to go to the game and it was over at parade and I only lived like five minutes from parade. And so we went, I went to go play. I was like, you know what? I'll play. You know, we beat these guys like 15 or 16 to two last time. And I went mm-hmm. in and I was feeling awful. Like I've never felt so bad. And it's one of those things too. And I think a lot of guys think this too, but whenever you're on the ice, you get your gear on. I never feel like I have to go to the bathroom at all. Right. Yep. And I was like, really sick before this and I went out there and and played and I never really felt I felt bad like my body was weak and like Mm -hmm. I was tired and stuff like that too and like I didn't want to go down at all or whatever but I never felt like I had to get off the ice at all which was good but we ended up playing the game I think we won like 15 to 10 or something like that I just like stood there and just like (laughs) sat down and and our team did the same thing like they were just kind of messing around and they knew we kind of had it in the bag a little bit but 
after that, that beer, after I took a sip of it and I was like, Nope, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> this is not for me right now. Yeah. So yeah, it didn't matter. I don't even know what kind of beer it was, but I was not, my stomach was not having it. Yeah. I, I, uh, knowing that it was going to be our first game back in a while, I sent the text out to the team saying, you know, I know we're out of practice, but who's bringing the beer? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys said, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it. And then he had a bunch of bush light in the bag. <laughs> now he had other beer too, but I looked at him and said, I thought you said you were bringing beer. Come on. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we also, everybody brings their own yeah. water to this. Yeah, and, he, and he goes, I got it free. So I'm just yeah. trying to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to drink it. And I go, okay, yeah. that's, that's fair. So, when you tape a stick, heel to toe or toe to heel? Um, I am toe to heel, and then I am one loop of tape at the finger on the paddle and then one above where my hand goes. And then my dad and I, he showed it to me as a kid, and I've always done it since, is the kind of the candy cane, candy cane yeah, through the, the handle at the top with a rounder knob on the top. I mean, Hopi does like the full roll of tape yeah. up top. Dubnik's got like nothing on there. It's like a tiny little, <clears throat> just one, one section of tape that goes around like, you know, maybe 20, 30 times. Um, those guys use like the grip tape all over the handle too. Yeah. Hate that. It gets all over my glove. Don't like it. Take that off pretty quick. Um, but pretty simple overall. I mean, I try not to tape up too many sticks, you know, yeah. I hope I don't break too many during the year, but. So you're um, one of the few goalies I've talked to that does toe to heel. And I start from behind and then you run it back because I, Cause then when you, I take the puck after and I smooth it all out so it doesn't break so easy and you get the wax on there a little bit. Um, it, it runs down the stick. So when you're, when you're shooting pucks, it's not going against the grain. Okay. That's why I do it. All right. So there's reasoning to it. Exactly. Yeah. I like you're you're, you're the first one that I've talked to that does toe to heel that does it for a specific reason that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Not, well, that's what I do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A lot of guys are like that. It's just how I've done it. And, that's what's comfortable. I mean, it could be something as small as tape, but you know, a lot of times it comes to something as big as, you know, how you strap up your gear and stuff like that too. So, yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting. You talk about the grip at the top because I, I did that for years and I had a knob, you know, about mm-hmm. yay big. And then the butt end century grip came out and I was oh, looking yeah. at it and I was like, that knob is the same exact size as what I put on my yep. stick. And, and the like length, it. the length of it was as far down as I went with my, yep. Uh, grip the only difference is it didn't have that you know the candy the cane grip part there, yeah. but i tried it out and because of the material it's made out of it and you liked it yeah it's it's perfect for me you know and, i and think for like, me I, is, I need something that's a little smooth because like whenever i slide my hand up on it it yeah. would get caught kind of where it starts on the rubbery part okay and so that's i've my tape there is like one little thin layer, like okay. any more than that. And I'm getting caught cause I play the puck all the time. And yeah. The stick comes out and stuff like that too. So it's gotta be really seamless for me to get right up into that. I wonder if you ball. put one thing of tape around the bottom to smooth so it out would work. I used to do a little bit of electrical tape on the end so it wouldn't fray up. But now as long as I use a puck and get it all yeah. stuck down, it works. But yeah, I think a little bit of electrical tape or something like that yeah. could, uh, could uh, seam it up. So, yeah, but I, I I'm liking those, but on grips for my mm-hmm. sticks, you know, yeah. just because and they're light too. It's lighter yeah. than just putting t- uh, 30 rolls of tape on it. You know? Exactly. Some guys, some guys go through like three rolls of tape and one stick. And I'm like, well, you just added like three pounds to that thing. Well, and just going around and around and around on the butt mm-hmm. end. It's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Tape isn't cheap. No, no, it, exactly. It be, but yeah, <laughs> you got to buy um, rolls of 30. The, 
your favorite number to wear when skating? Um, so I definitely always tried to wear 33 like my dad wore. Yeah. And not that I was like, oh, this is, this is my number, whatever. It was just like, all right, here's a number. Let's stick with it. Yeah. We're going with it. Well, it's um, almost the family number too. I know. Yeah, I'm, exactly. And, my sister wore it, tried to wear it and all that stuff too. So. Yeah. I know in our family for other sports, um, my brother-in-law, uh, wore 15. So mm-hmm. like a lot of the nieces and nephews have well, gone with 15. 15. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 33 has always kind of been our lucky family yeah. number. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of weird things. Like my dad, went to Vegas for some uh, golf deal or whatever. And they had a hole that was like the Island hole. And they had a, like a hole in one contest on there. And it was, I don't know if it was like a hundred yards or something like that, whatever, but you know, everybody got into the raffle and they're, you know, everybody hits the balls and then they got to go collect them at the end. So everybody's got a different number that's assigned and he got ball 33 and he was joking with his, you know, business partner at the time. It's like, Hey, I got it. I'm going to win. And sure enough, <laughs> hits it right in puts it right i think he put it right next to the hole i don't think anybody made one but he put it right next to the hole in one like a whole new set of clubs and all this stuff too and he was like i got it so and we played in a golf tournament i think it was maybe two three years ago in the summer we played in a charity golf tournament and we got in cart number 33 and we go here it is we're gonna win and sure enough there it was it's just weird like raffle tickets um you know my address right now has got it in there too like it's weird it pops up all over the place and yeah yeah sure like it's common to see numbers places and stuff like that but it's always a good sign when we see in our family so yeah that's awesome uh and then the last question is uh probably the one that i think is the most important one i ask what advice do you have for young goaltenders i think it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier of you know it's in it's almost more for parents but you know make sure you love it and you get away from it and when you go to the rink, make sure you want to be going to the rink. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing for kids and how to avoid that burnout is, you know, don't overdo it. You don't need to go skate, you know, eight times a week and be doing all these little things in between. And, you know, a lot of kids get bogged down with just doing skills and then you're not playing Mm -hmm. games and then it's not fun because it's work all the time. And as a kid, you know, that's, what's going to happen. But I think it's, you know, two things, you know, we had talked about is, you know, don't burn out on it. Make sure you love going to the rink and, space it out and two, you know, don't give up on any pucks. I mean, that shows more than anything is tenacity and, you know, desire and passion on the ice more than, you know, technique and skating and, you know, who can make the flashiest glove save or whatever, you know, it's coaches are going to notice you battling for pucks every single play more than they're going to notice one guy who, you know, reaches back and makes an incredible stick save or a glove save. So. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I was talking to a couple people about this with COVID forcing athletes mm. to step away from yeah. every sport for an, you know, a longer period of time than they probably ever have mm. might be a blessing in disguise because exactly, one sure. fam family's got to uh, experience each other again. Mm. They got to eat dinner at home and not in the yeah. minivan going through a drive through. Exactly. And now these athletes are returning to their respective sports and they're going, I can take some time off. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to forget how to play the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so it'll be interesting to see moving forward. If some of these kids start to, or even parents make the decision, Hey, you know, we can We're gonna do it a little, less. take a season off. Yeah. You know, you can, if you're a hockey player, you can have your summer. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe instead of sending you to hockey camp, we take a family trip. Yeah. You know, exactly, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely opened a lot of eyes for sure as to, you know, whether it's, 
you know, in business or in sports or school even, you know, yeah. how much you being there and, you know, being able to take a break, you know, is beneficial. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Connor, I've taken up a ton of your time. <laughs> no, uh, no problem. Seems like we've only been talking for five minutes. I agree. So, yeah. Um, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on the podcast and yeah. uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We'll have to go grab a beer and keep chatting. So I'm down for it. Sounds good. Well, I think Connor and I could have kept talking all day. I think we talked close for an hour after we finished recording. Be sure to follow him on social media. You can find him on Twitter at YoungBopes or ConnorBopre33 on Instagram. Don't worry, I'll have links to his social profiles in the show notes. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Simply search for Washed Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit WashedUpGoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, beer league hockey videos, highlights, and all podcast episodes. I need to give a big thank you to the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music at iTunes and listen to them wherever you stream music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies as well for future episodes. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Also, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'll be happy to talk and we can work something out. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Snapshot, man.